you you want to think they're smart, but they do a lot of really dumb shit. I just think that so many of them live in like an insular, like just an insular lifestyle that like they think the bubble that they live in is the whole world all the time. Yeah, and because like they you know do have some modicum of power, that like sure that works. But that's not not real life. It's just so bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly I cannot stand watching any like, actual gov or uh, legislation hap- happening. No, just like all the thank you, Mister Speaker. Just all of the decorum. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, do you know yeah. you're getting to yeah. like a third of the topics because you have to do this? Uh-huh. And I don't know if it's set up that way so people can't just yell over. I, I, I'm sure there are were reasons, but it's just like this is bad. Like it's there has to be a better way to do this. Or, or just watching Joe Biden try to appear like hip, like like he's with it, like he gets the kids. I'm like, bro, well, like, like, don't don't worry no about that. No one's buying this. Yeah, it's like, like oh you don't God. have. <laughs> yeah, you don't. I think that's. I mean, I think that he has a way to connect with people that he does well. And it's so easy to see through when he hadn't been necessarily coached, but it's like these sorts of things will maybe resonate with younger voters. It's like, nah, dude, it's yeah, stuff. Yeah, correct. It's yeah, not yeah. the way. No, it's but but it's like I was listening to Joe Rogan. They were talking about it the other day. It's like uh, they were saying it's basically it's like your grandpa. You know, sometimes they'll they'll say something that's totally racist. They they mean well, but it's totally fucking racist. Yeah. But they're so old, they just don't like. You're that's the like, they, uh, okay. like, Joe Biden has these oftentimes where he'll he'll say something that's like, you can't say that now. You can tell he's trying to mean well from it, mm-hmm. but you're like, you can't say that. That's not cool. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, it's like, it, uh, and even he has the benefit of being like a, a public figure for a long time. So he has more experience and is typically a little further ahead in terms of like how he speaks. But even then he's like still like, old you You know so like you can't totally turn that off yes yeah it's like we think like anytime your uh grandparents are now like our parents like are telling a story and it's like you didn't really have to mention that person's skin color (laughs) you didn't have to yeah part of the story yeah yeah grandma mexicans aren't that bad (laughs) (laughs) since i grew up in arizona yeah that's a lot of of, yeah 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 um when when i visited uh my grandparents the last time before my grandfather had passed they live um, right on, I mean, it's like in like Sunbird, whatever. So it's like in Chandler. And um, their like retirement community backs up to the reservation. Like across the street is a reservation. Hmm. And he was kind of talking. It's like, see how they keep that, that broken down car in their front yard? We gave them that land. I'm like, All right, hold on. Like, <laughs> no, uh, this is not the conversation we want to be uh, having in this car. <laughs> and he was just like saying they should be taken care of. I'm like, dude, this is not. I under, I see kind of how what you feel. I guess this is not the conversation we want to be having. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, it, yeah. It's just kind of part of being old. I guess uh, don't I guess so. don't talk to anybody ever when you get a certain age. Is that what it is? I guess so. Well, that's <laughs> that's why he's done less press conferences and interviews than like the past five presidents or something. Like yeah, that. like significantly less because they're kind of just like let's just keep him over here. So he doesn't say stuff. <laughs> he probably shouldn't. <laughs> well, and and not to. Uh, I think what's mm, I think what's important for like him specifically is 
I don't know that his gift has ever been uh, oration in the first place. It's no. not like you go back, even seeing like old clips of him like in the 90s or whatever. It's like, man, he really had it back then. Like the things that you're good at, like, and I like that they're like, yeah, maybe just do the stuff you're still pretty good at. And like, let's not do the things you're getting worse at as you age. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, yeah, uh, it's, but, it's that's what it, but I think that goes into the same thing. It's like the, the, that lifestyle is so insular and insulated that like they can kind of just like put you in the positions that are like you're good at and like you make you feel like, oh, the world is this because that's all I experience well, they in give, this thing. Like, like they're not even having debates because they're just like, no, no, no. No, no, no. There's nobody else. It's just him. It's like, mm, but there are others. <laughs> there are there are very competent others, mm-hmm. like one belonging to the most famous pol- political family in the United States right now, and then another one blown up on TikTok somehow. Marianne. Yeah, but it's like, no, no, no. We're not having debate. So that that part's kind of weird. Um, I mean, it's is he sitting president. They re- yeah, they rarely primary a sitting president in that way anyway, but. They- correct you're right it's just like now we're just not gonna do it <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 when when majority of voters are saying we don't want this guy we would prefer somebody else like we're not even gonna run that we're not even gonna run well, it's, that. So, it's, it's sort of just like let's just see, let's just kick the tires on it you know let's just see it's kind of what let's doing. just see it's and then instead, yeah anyway, anyway super fun anyway 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 this is dirt talk everybody dirt talk podcast dirt talk podcast uh I'm Alex Horton. I'm here sometimes. That's Aaron Witt. He's here every time. Uh, most of the time. Every time. That's that's every Harrison. Time. He is here every time. He's here every time. He was he was joking yesterday. It wasn't a joke though. He's never missed an episode since he came around. I would disagree with that, Harrison. I have I've missed an episode. Oh, has he? I yeah. I have I have run the ones and twos maybe two or three times. I probably mixed them though. You did. <laughs> you have had your hand on every single episode since you walked in the door. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Right. Well, so we're here, which means I've got some cues and you've got some questionable answers. Yes. There, there was a YouTube comment uh, today. We posted a video on the channel of a Wheeler machinery technician, my friend Keldon. Yeah, it's a good one. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, we didn't do anything all that significant. It was it wasn't like dramatic wrenching on equipment work, but it was diagnosing a problem, which I think is uh, equal is interesting because yeah. you have to figure out what's going on with the machine before you can even fix it. And we had a flight to catch, so we couldn't get like the whole day, which was a bummer. But we proved the concept. We'll do it again. I'm yeah. I'm excited to do it again. But somebody commented today. He's like, "Wow, I didn't think Aaron had that little knowledge of tools." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm an idiot." Of course, I don't have any. I was raised by a tax lawyer. We had like a hammer in a closet. That was the extent of our tools. So, yes, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't know what a ratcheting wrench is. Also, I I think to be a little bit fair, and correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes when you're doing that stuff, you might ask questions you know the answer to or partially know the answer to. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or because I try with what we do to explain to include the knowledgeable audience, but bring people along at yeah. the same time. And so people will be like, yeah, duh, I knew that. It's like, well, that's always been the challenge. Good right? for you. Send me your address. <laughs> I will send you your award in the mail so I you can put it on your refrigerator. You. Yeah, with your little gold star. You know everything. Good. Great. Congratulations. But what we're trying to do is 
create some positive awareness for the industry from outside the industry and attract people to the industry. And that requires us educating people that don't know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is, man. But You know, it's like you're trying to balance. You don't want to be everything for everyone, but you also don't want to make content for one single person either. You know, it's like no. you, it needs to have like, you know, at least semi-broad appeal. Yeah. Because you're like, make, make, it's not just for you. Um, or maybe it is just for you. Maybe that's the trick. You're like, I wanted to see this. And so I'm going to go make a vlog. Well, that's what I do. Yeah. I just go to places I find interesting. That's it. More and more. I mean, that's yeah, it. I feel like early on it was maybe, uh, you know, you had, not that you wouldn't want to go, but it's, oh yeah, we're going to shoot photos for this company. But like for, I mean, multiple years now it's been, I heard this thing's really cool. I want to go see it. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to Australia next week. Chile the following month. Following month, just seen a bunch of my friends. All over. Technically. I was looking over. at your calendar today. Yeah. And then going to go back and see Zeppelin in Europe again. Go back to the Middle East again. It's just sick. Yeah. Really cool stuff. It's a stacked year. Yeah. I'm going to take my jacket off because I should have known better. We filmed a little bit for Build It Training in the podcast studio last week. We had five or six people in here. It got really hot with five <laughs> or six people. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what we can do. I mean, it was yeah. just like, uh, I was also kind of like flustered a little bit. I'm like, am I sweating because I'm wanting to get this right? Or am I sweating because I have no possible choice? It's yeah. 85 degrees in here. Anyway. Anywho, Aaron's changed. We are ready to do some dirt talking. So uh, once, about once a month, we're doing these Q&As. We've been doing them for a while. Super fun. Thanks, everybody, to, to the... Mm, thanks, everybody, for sending in good questions. Or maybe not very good questions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not up to me to judge that. There's the saying, there's no bad questions. There's bad questions. There are some bad questions. There's stupid questions. But to be fair, uh, to qualify, these answers will be questionable answers. So That's true. They're not going to be that great There are bad answers, too. Yeah. And we're going to explore that (laughs) with bad answers. Uh, So I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questions. We'll see how many we get to. Uh, But Aaron, are you ready to jump right in? I'm ready. Okay. Question number one. What and why is there a typically... Mm, let me read this again. What and why is there typically a disconnect between designers and builders? What is the disconnect and why is there a disconnect between designers and builders? Um, I went to school for engineering. So I got to see... I got to glimpse into the world of design. Mm-hmm. I never worked in design though. But I went to school for design... And a lot of the people I went to school with now currently work in design. While I was in school, I worked in construction in the field. Yeah. So I got to see a little bit of both. And I think a lot of the problems stems with the fact that both parties don't really understand the other. Mm -hmm. Because the construction people say the engineers don't understand anything. But it's like, okay, but you you wouldn't have a job without plans. And you're going to go make the plans? like. I I don't think so. Like you're you're going to be worse at it because you don't have that skill set either. Well, you, you they wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah, like I I wouldn't even know where to start. I, I don't even I don't know how engineers make plans because it is so complicated, so complex. The math is crazy. Yeah. It's 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 wild what they have to do, and they're also working off incomplete information. And then it goes the other way. It's like, well, you know, you just need to build it like the design. It's the contractors like, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And not everything is 
works on a two-dimensional plane. Mm-hmm. This is the world. This is the real world. There's stuff in the way. There's there's constraints. There's stuff that we, we couldn't have um, foreseen. So I think it's, I think the disconnect is, is mostly a lack of understanding and appreciation both sides. Sure. And I think the, it's most successful when the contractor tries to meet the engineer halfway and the engineer tries to meet the contractor halfway. Yeah. And engineers that I think spend time with contractors, I've seen it done well. I've seen it done not well. When it's not done well, the engineer comes out, they know they're right. And they're right. Like, because mathematically they're right. Well, yeah. And they just, they, they, they look like a fish out of water. They, they're sticking out on the job site. They look like an engineer. And it, it, you know, they don't have to look like they should be on a construction mm-hmm. project per se, but they're a lot more effective when instead of coming to defend what they're trying, what the, their work, they're coming to understand what the heck's going on. Yeah. And they might have some work boots on and some jeans on, and they might look like, even though they have a bright, shiny vest on, they're trying to be part of yeah. where the heck they are. And trying to understand and try to ask questions to so that they can come to the best solution for everybody. It's not I told you so or you're right, I'm wrong. You know, you're you're wrong, I'm right. It's it's none of that. Mm-hmm. And then I think the contractor it goes both ways. The contractor needs to understand there's so many more complexities to building something that they don't see typically yeah. that are that they don't see even on the plans that were behind those plans in the first place. It's really complicated. Really complicated. When you're an engineer doing that kind of work, do you ever see the site typically when you're doing Depen- the design? It depends. It really depends. Um, sometimes. But a lot of times, no. It's more just like you know stats about the location. Yeah, or they'll do a lot like using Google Earth. But a lot of times they'll do site walks okay. or they'll just reference as-builts. But Typically, your as-builts aren't always accurate. Go figure. Mm-hmm. Or they don't. It's like, yeah, this was recorded, but we had this other utility bank over here that no one has any record of. And it's right in the alignment of where you wanted that storm drain, which is gravity. So what are you going to do? Now you got to do something else. Now we got to redesign it all. Yeah. Um, the, the successful contractors I see, they approach it more of like a teamwork mentality. And the successful engineers I, I see approach it from that same mentality. We're all here to accomplish the same thing. Like I need you, you need me for us to kind of do a full, you know, version of this job. Or yeah, we're all a team. We're all trying to build this job. Mm-hmm. So how do we build it most effectively so that everybody wins? Yeah. Like, I think you can't really lose with that mentality no matter what side of the fence you're on. Hmm. I've got actually Well, this is great. I've got a second question that I think connects here really well. As a civil engineer, from a civil engineer, I'm not a civil engineer. Let's set that straight. So, quote, as a civil engineer, what's the best way to connect with and get respect from guys in the field? One, look the part. That's, it's so simple, but I, I, I remember Jason Gardner with Echelon Front. He talked about this mm-hmm. when I went up with them. He said, you know, the, the, they, were, they were Navy SEALs, but they were working through the U.S. Army. And so he could, when he was going to see the U.S. Army commanding officer yeah. go into his office, he didn't need to be dressed up. He could be wearing whatever he wore out in, you know, out in the field and, and 
He's a Navy SEAL. He's like, he could have done that, but instead he wore a clean army uniform, a clean army uniform to just kind of show his respect, kind of level the playing field a little bit yeah. and say, hey, I'm coming on to, to your turf. So I am going to defer to you on this. And that sets up a whole new level of potential collaboration that you don't have otherwise. So I think step one, and this is what I try to do as somebody that goes and photographs job sites, I try to just look the part mm -hmm. and I always act like I'm a guest because I am always a guest. It's not about me ever. So if you're somebody like me, you're an inspector, you're you're engineer, it's not about you. That's not your job site. You're not the one out there every day. And so if you go at it with that sense of humility and then two, go at it with a sense of genuine curiosity, typically you can get people to respond pretty positively. Mm. And also just remember, I'm somebody that like all these big, tough dudes, it's pretty intimidating, but just remember they're all human beings. <laughs> and I forget that all the time too, even to this day, but you start to talk to them a little bit and, and Hey, how you doing? You know, my name's Aaron. What's your name? And uh, so what are you guys doing here today? And, and just, can, can you just explain to me what's, what's going on and just ask an earnest, genuine question. Can you just explain it? And they're proud of what they do. Yeah. Nine out of 10 times, maybe even 10 out of 10 times, they're probably going to explain it. They might be short with you, but they'll explain some of it. And you can just start conversating about the work right in front of you, about if it's Monday, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, you know, I was with the kids. How old are your kids? And you just start trying to connect with them. Mm -hmm. And then once you connect with them, you can go do whatever you need to do from a professional standpoint. Yeah. But that's, that's fire engineer. Or this is, this is, that's the exact same plain book I use yeah, as a photographer. I guess it's not that far away from as an engineer walking onto the job site. Like you're still kind of removed from it in that same way. Yeah. That's and, not what you're doing. And I position it as like, I'm here to make you look good. I'm here to just make sure that your job's going okay. Like, how can I make your job go better? How can I make this easier for you? What are you struggling with? What did we, what did we miss? What did we not think through? And yeah. maybe not say that because I know everybody's terrified about liability, but I would go at it from that perspective. Hmm. You know, it's, it's funny. Our, our company has now gotten, I mean, thousands and thousands of reps walking onto job sites that are not ours. Yeah. Totally and good. kind of running with that playbook. You know, we, we've been welcome on a lot of job sites. It's, a, it's an art though. I mean, I'm five years into it and in my sixth year and I, I still don't even have it close to figure it out. Connect with somebody and they're like not buying it. You're like, okay. No, like, it's not that. Um, it's not that at all. I've never, like some guy asked me how you get people the other day to, how do I get people to allow me to take their picture? And I say, I just ask. And I don't think I've ever been turned down. I don't know if everybody's been super stoked about it during, but I try to make it a good experience. I know it's for them, not me. I know they're going to want that picture one day mm -hmm. for sure. I'm going to show them the picture afterwards so they understand what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, but you have this fear in your head that's not exactly, it doesn't ex exactly match up with reality. Yeah. Thanks for answering. That was a, a double question. Got to pull two into one. Thank you. Um, here's another one. This speaks to uh, something you have spent some hours on over the last couple of years. How should I convince my construction company leaders to start using Instagram? I wish I knew. Ain't that it? I wish I knew. I don't know. I, I tried to do this when I was in the office at a construction company one time. 
And I tried to lay it all out and I don't know. Like, I don't even know what I would do. I guess if I were in this position now, I was a young person at a construction company. I understood social media. I would maybe try to find somebody in the office that gets it and start talking to them and feeling it out and seeing what I could do to help Mm -hmm. and express my interest and curiosity in what the heck's going on. Construction companies are afraid of social media. They're afraid. And they're afraid because there's the potential for liability, which doesn't really exist, but there is a potential for liability. There's a potential for their people to get stolen if they show people if they show who they are. There is a potential for their top secret methodology to be out in the open. And I'm saying this kind of in jest, but it is real fear, and I understand yeah. the real fear. It's they're afraid just because it's uncomfortable. It's it's vulnerable. You have to show what you're doing. Yeah, you're showing how the sausage is made, and that's scary. And so if you understand those fears, but then work to explain to them how this would benefit them from a retention and recruitment standpoint, which is really where the money's at, you might have a decent chance at talking them into it. Well, when I see this question, I'm thinking about the many times we've gotten questions about how can I start posting us on social media? How can I start building that brand online? And this is really like a full step behind or uh, before that happens is like, how do you convince uh, someone who's uh, hesitant or anxious or uh, maybe just like afraid of what it could mean if they start showing their business on the internet? Um, how do you convince somebody who's out on that? to see the benefits. I mean, that's, well, a, that's a hard conversation and, and if, Frank, they, if they're already out. They, the, when, when, I was, when I was working in the industry, they didn't let me, all companies that I worked for had no social media policies. Yeah. I posted at every company. Like, what are you going to do? Am I going to get in trouble? Okay, then I'm in trouble. And then what? Like, I wasn't being, I wasn't being an asshole. I was being very careful about what I was sharing. I didn't, I didn't want to get the company in trouble. Are you kidding me? You weren't like tagging the company. Or no, I guess they probably didn't no, the I didn't want them to see it. Yeah. But I was, I was also being responsible in what I was sharing. But I shared photos from every single company I worked for. And all of them were not cool with social media. And so it's, it's, I, I want to be respectful of the old guard and the industry yeah. as it stands. But it's, it's just getting to a point where it's so clear that the world is headed in this direction. The most successful contractors I see right now, they are working with it. They're not pushing against it right now. Yeah, and that's not just uh, social media. That's technology more broadly. Yeah, but social media, I mean, you look at what like what a Hoopa is doing or Plateau recently, they hired someone to lead up their marketing efforts. Mm -hmm. She's just done an amazing job. There's a bunch of companies out there that are, are doing so, so spectacularly at showing off their companies and who they are. And if I were on the market, I would be looking to those companies to say, that's where I want to work. Mm-hmm. Like there's monster companies. I'm very well connected in the industry. There's monster companies I learn about almost every single day that I've never heard of. And it's not because they don't do hundreds of millions of dollars of work. I have all this equipment. Around. It's just like they have no internet presence. And that's kind and of the world I live And unfortunately, you kind of don't want to 
exist in a lot of ways other than your markets. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't, yeah. if you're not on the internet. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think it's an, uh, an exciting and cool thing for me to have seen um, over the last couple of years is when I see companies we've worked with or we're uh, currently working with or whatever, when they hire people who they used to pay us to do things for. Yes. Um, because it's like, well, they saw so much value that it's like, we, you know, want to invest in somebody who's part of our team to help us like continue, whether it's just tell the story or show off the company or whatever it is. But it's like, they, at some point said, you know, it's important for us to be really serious about this and kind of stop, uh, you know, walking on eggshells in the social media space. It's like, Mm -hmm. we want to take that seriously. Um, and then like those companies start seeing like the benefits and whether we're not working with anymore, but there's plenty that are like, we still do work with, but they, you know, have started a podcast or, um, hired a full-time content creator, whatever it is. It's, it's cool to see that, like they're seeing the value of that and they want to take even more control of that within their own company, um, to tell their story on the internet, which like you've been banging the drum since the beginning. Like that's so, 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 so important. Mm -hmm. You just, you have to put it out there that way. And there's more companies doing it today than ever before yeah and it's awesome to see it's just the first step towards making the dirt world a better place it's one of the steps yeah it's the first but a step it's definitely part of the journey part of the journey love it all right next question oh here's a good one this is juicy is a job in the dirt world worth pursuing if i'm looking for a career that will eventually pay me a hundred thousand dollars per year Uh, it depends on your on your market but you can go make over a hundred grand in just about every single market in the United States in the industry. <clears throat> I mean, you can make well over a hundred grand as a technician, as an operator in a lot of markets, as a foreman in a lot of markets, as a superintendent for sure in just about every market. Yeah, a technician you can make over a hundred grand in just about every market. Mm. Truck drivers are only becoming more and more valuable and higher paid. It really, again, it depends on the market. Like a Florida truck driver is making a totally different rate than a Cincinnati truck driver. Sure. But it is adjusted by cost of living too. Yeah. If I look at money from a, like a, you have to kind of check the box, the dirt world can absolutely check that box for you. Yeah. It's just a matter of how you want to play your cards. But there's so many different pathways to if you if over a hundred thousand dollars is where you want to get so many different pathways to doing that well and you think of you know plenty of the people who are their company is just themselves like make it way more than that because like that's the path that works for them oh totally. and that's how they want to want to do it yeah you can you can make well over a hundred grand working for somebody else or yourself you know there, there's there's so many different ways to do it out mm-hmm. of school this was 2017 i was making sixty five thousand dollars a year Project was, engineer? As a field engineer. Field engineer. Yeah. 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 So, and like, and if that's where you're starting, like, you know, if you, you're bringing that value, like companies typically tend to, to pay at some point, the more value you bring, you know, the more money you probably make. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you get on with a good company with like, even if you have, you know, you, you base, you make 60, 70. But if you, if you get on with a um, employee owned company or a, a, a company with profit sharing, or a company with a solid bonus structure, you can make a lot of money. It's yeah. really, really cool how much money you can make. Um, it's not everything, but 
yeah, this this industry can definitely check the box. Yeah, I think that's a an interesting way to put it um, when talking about money. Like, does you know, it is a box to be checked as far as your work and your career. Um, you know, obviously, if it's like I will work anywhere if I can make this amount of money. If it's because that like that amount of money means something to you, and not just like does it check the box. Um, I know that there are. Uh, I remember I read it was a handful of years now, but it was saying how like the tech industry, you know, a lot of the um, the approach to paying and approach to salaries was you make it so they're making enough money that they stop thinking about, are they making enough money mm-hmm. without like, you know, blowing salaries out of the water. So they never have to think about money again, but it's like, how do you get from, I'm still thinking in my, I need to make $5,000 more a year in order to X, Y, and Z. And so I, I think to your point, when you're talking about, um, you know, that like in construction, you know, you can certainly check that box um, I mean, there's obviously plenty of plenty of money in the industry. Yeah, I, and depending on how important money is to you at, at at wherever you're at in your life, if you want, like a lot of times you can go a young person in your 20s with no family, you can go work in like the oil field, for example, running a dozer, doing dirt work. You can still do dirt work or or really remote mining or yeah. there's a bunch of stuff, pipelines, where you can make a killing. I mean, you're going to work crazy hours. But you'll be taking two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year home at twenty three years old. Yeah, I see it all the time. Go out to West Texas. Go go out to Midland. Go out to Odessa. Go out to Pecos. The trucks out there are insane. You go to a you go like outside of Pecos at at a at a gas station when oil's up. Everybody's driving a a baller F four fifty platinum or whatever it is with a welder. Gotta on have back. that King Ranch, man. The, the trucks are sick, and then it's like a twenty two year old kid getting out of them. Mm-hmm. And if that's the way you want to roll, stack it up, work like that for a few years, then then now you got a plenty a lot of options. Ideally, don't go blow it and adjust your cost of living, and then now you're stuck with those golden handcuffs on. And you're kind of fucked from there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you can you can you can kind of ramp it up gradually. You can go work crazy hours and make killer amounts of money. You can go to a different region like a New York City. Where rates are way higher yeah, than they are in the sure. South, for example, and join the union, there are so many different ways to slice it. Yeah, I mean, just a, a lot of opportunities in the dirt world. Like, that's a big part of what we're doing. What's uh, Harrison? Do you have a calculator? Does somebody have a calculator? I got one right here. Do forty times twenty. Mm-hmm. What is that? Eight hundred. Eight hundred, and then, um. 30 times 10 would be 300. Mm-hmm. So that's 1,100. Yep. Time that by 52. 1,100 times 52. $57,000. So it's $57,000 if you're working 50 hours a week at $20 an hour, which is just about the lowest I've seen in the United States. So like in theory, you know, you're, you could make $57,000 a year jumping right in with no experience in theory in theory in just about every market there's Mm. some markets that are probably 18 dollars um like most of the south but the cost of living and wherever that is is also yeah pretty low but most everywhere is about 20 bucks an hour Mm. if not more right now and so yeah you can already make a good living 
Yeah. Starting as a labor. Love it. Awesome. Thanks for the question. Next question. If slash when autonomous trucks and backhoes come into play, will they be taking over our jobs? Um, autonomous trucks have already been around for 20 years. <laughs> Ever heard of it? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, it's, it's, it's been a, a technology that's been rolled out, uh, and maybe not 20, but in like the, like, yeah, I mean, well before 2010, it started to become really big, like the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been rolled out primarily. They started in a place like, um, uh, I think it was South America, at least Komatsu did when it, it's, it's really in the high desert, uh, in like a, a copper mine application, mm-hmm. you have really nice haul roads, you have very little weather and it's, so it's, it's consistent. They, they need consistency. They're not having to fix the road every, every day cause the rain. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's on rock. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's solid. Yeah. So you got consistent driving conditions. They started down there and then I think they went into Western Australia it's big in Western Australia now. And then they went into more weird conditions like the oil sands mm-hmm. that get crazy, but it still works pretty well now, now that the technology's there. Yeah. The, the reality that the mining industry is facing is that, hey, we have a large percentage of our workforce retiring, but the demand for mining is only set to substantially increase over the next few decades especially with the whole green energy thing. Mm-hmm. If we really are serious about the green energy thing, it's going to dramatically change mining. Um, if it's physically possible, there's still questions about that. So they, they need to keep ramping up production while their workforce is dwindling. And so what they're doing is they're looking at options to shore up some of that by automating as much as they can, mm-hmm. which makes sense. So it's not that they're trying to remove jobs to, to, you know, eliminate humans from the business because there's still so many humans that require, that are required for an autonomous mind. They're just trying to, uh, you know, eliminate some of their risk with the workforce problem that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to one autonomous mine. I'm going to see more autonomous trucks in Australia. And then I'll see more autonomous trucks in South America. Nice. In in two months, there are so many people required to support that mine, especially the one I saw in Alberta. I mean, all the shovel operators—they're still working. There's still manned trucks out there. There's manned dozers at all the the fill areas, waste areas. There's blades everywhere. There's all of the support staff to maintain the trucks in the first place. There's so much infrastructure required to even service a remote mine. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I think remote machines are going to help with very repetitive tasks like built robotics just yeah. unveiled their machine. That's a pile driving rig for solar fields at Con Expo. That's a pretty mind-numbing task to just pound piles in a very consistent grid pattern all day, every day. Mm -hmm. It's so mind-numbing. So what autonomy does is it removes some of the grind of the tasks that are repeated often on a job site or mine site. 
and allows that human capital to focus on what human capital is most valuable, is where, where they're most valuable, which is the creative, problem-solving, high-stress, high-traffic, things in the way, yeah, that kind of application. So I think all autonomy is is just another tool in the earth-moving tool belt, much like GPS, like a rover. It's just another tool to help the industry operate more efficiently, but it's never been about replacing people. That's not the, that's not the, the, the goal of it. Yeah, you're not going to roll up to a job site and it's only autonomous equipment. It's like, well, we got to lay off the whole job for us. And then this just runs well, by and, itself. And, and mine, op- man, mine operators need people so badly, even if they went to an autonomous fleet, they're, they're placing those people elsewhere because <laughs> they need those people so badly because mm-hmm. there's a huge gap. So it's, it's not, you're not cutting back on people. You're just trying to fill that gap somehow. And, and honestly, the automated equipment is way better. It's, it's far more productive. It doesn't need a break. Doesn't need a break. Uh, far less wear on the machine because it's always consistent. Mm-hmm. Far, less, far less tire wear, far less fuel burn. Better haul roads because you have a more consistent driving pattern. They're, like Everything across the board is far more efficient. Mm. And when the company's more efficient, in theory, if it's a good company, it's more profitable, which means it has more to invest in its people and to invest elsewhere within the business, which benefits everybody as a whole. Yep. So it is eliminating an entry-level position, and that's something that the mine operators need to figure out. And that's solved by training more effectively in a lot of ways. But I've, after seeing more of it than just about anybody, unless somebody's in like an autonomous program, it's, uh, it's not going to come to your job site anytime soon. And from what I've seen, it's a pretty spectacular technology. Hmm. And if you're a talented operator, you have nothing to worry about. So if, <laughs> if you want to protect yourself from being automated, I would get really good at what get you better. do. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I, would, I would just focus on being as valuable as you possibly can because yeah. that is the best job security you can enjoy no matter what organization you're in, no matter what position you're in. You just ask yourself, how can I be more valuable to this organization? How can I make this company more money? You're going to be good to go. Yeah. And if, and if you're not good to go there, they, you're still screwed. You're very, very valuable in the marketplace. Someone will pick you up. Then you have the same mentality. I'm going to go make them as much money as you can. And it'll come back to you one of these days. It really will. Hmm. Well said. Yeah, I think the, the autonomous trucks uh, conversation is really interesting to me. Because it really just, what to me, what, what it sounds like from your perspective is it might shift some people around, but it doesn't just like, eliminate the need for people <laughs> it's just people around it, and it also creates totally new roles true they, they in theory you know that infrastructure might require more people than just you know in some way old equipment in, out there yeah in some ways hmm. yeah that's cool yeah uh all right two more questions what do we got time wise oh we'll do one more i mean it, it's it's just like two <laughs> it's it's scary because there's not a human but it's like when we moved from you know steam shovels and cables to hydraulics like well, well that's when gonna, we went from hand shovels yeah or that. yeah everything's being pulled by mules yeah and then you go get this truck that's diesel power steam power you're like 
wow, this is crazy and it can do way more work. John Henry can beat the, the steam. And it's the more efficient. Hammer. And it's like, yeah, the people that are maintaining the status quo, like that is a threat. Yeah. But at the same time, that's progress. And the industry needs to progress. If we're going to remain competitive and remain in existence long-term to support society long-term. Yeah. It, it was a bad day for mule breeders when diesel came around. It, it was, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, man. All right, uh, we'll do one more question. Uh, one of these you answer a lot, so let's skip that. What is the best work truck, in your opinion? What do you see out there? What are most people using as a work truck? I, By choice, anyway. I don't care about this debate. I think they're all they're all good. Chevy's good, Ram's good, Ford's good. What's another one? Uh, oh, the Toyota G- GMC's good. Toyota's good. Them Tundras looking pretty nice these days. They're all good. Yeah, it's whatever you like. They're just they're all good <laughs> trucks nowadays, and everybody's like, "Oh, this is a pile of shit." It's like, okay, I don't think any trucks a pile of shit. I really don't. They're, they're, they're mostly all pretty luxury sound. vehicles now. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty damn sound. They're, you know, some trucks have been cursed by the whole emissions thing, which I think is a whole other can of worms. Yeah. Um, I drive a Ford because I just like Fords best. I've driven them all and I like Ford best, but can I justify my decision making? No, I can't. I just like it better. And and I don't need to justify it. I just like it better. Or you should get a Ram. You know, maybe you go buy a Ram. I'm going to buy a Ford. That's what you like. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't care about your opinion. I like my F-250 Lariat. I think that's a perfect truck. It's a great truck. Uh, when you're out in the field, is there a particular um, make that it seems going to be the most common? Ford's, Ford's probably the go-to. I mean, it's been the best-selling vehicle in America for four decades. So yeah. statistically, there's more of those than be more. anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, mathematically, you'll see more. But uh, yeah, I don't know. They're all good. Um. Yeah, we got two Fords here. Build with there you go. All right, uh, I think that is it for a questions and questionable answers. Thank you to everyone for sending out questions. Uh, if you have more questions, always send them along to dirttalkabuildwood.com. Yes, send in your questions, and also if you are somebody that wants to grow as a human being, we're putting on this thing called the Dirt uh, Dirt World Summit in October in Houston. That's it's, Texas. Yes, it's around $2,700, so it is pricier. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, the lineup is insane. Absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah I, I don't, I have, we, we had to charge that price point to put on such a high, the, the kind of the quality of conference we wanted to put on to help the dirt world grow, help people in the dirt world grow, yep. not just professionally, but as human beings. So if you're someone looking to grow, I'm telling you, in this industry, there will not be a better event this year from a you growing as a human standpoint so if you want to make an investment if you're if you're if you're a business owner you want to make an investment in yourself in some of your people if you're someone in the industry that's you know what i i do want to improve as somebody at this company i work for as a spouse as a parent as a friend as a leader in my community whatever it is this is for you so if you're serious about it dirtworld.com we'll see you there october I'll be there. About a thousand other people from the dirt world will be there. Mm-hmm. It'll be a spectacular time. We're not messing around. Please go to the website, dirtworld.com, if you're interested. Well, and we're seeing a lot of companies send like their entire leadership team, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty neat to see that like they're, you know, 
putting their money where their mouth is. It's like, we, we want this this team of leaders to grow so that they can kind of bring that to the rest of the team. Leadership, but but anybody. Yeah. You could be a young foreman. Hey, I don't know what I'm doing as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the club, man. I'm, I'm right there with you. I've spent a lot of money over the past few years. That's been the best money I've spent within this business are some of the leadership development things I've done. S- s- some of them with Jocko. Yeah. Who will be at the Dirt World Summit. So... There you go. Going to be cool. Yeah. Can't wait for that. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always send them to dirttalk at buildwit.com. For Harrison on the drums, as always, uh, Aaron Witt, thank you very much for having me on the Dirt Talk podcast, my mm-hmm. friend. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you in the next one. Later.